There's a reason why we sing. There's a reason why we dance. And sometimes when we can't find our dance, it's because we are having a hard time focusing on God. But when you begin to think of his goodness and you think about how good he is, I'm telling you, it puts a little tap in your foot, a little wave in your hand, a little shout in your voice. He's good. God bless you. You can make your way back to your seats. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It does feel good, doesn't it? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to shout it out. You know, I, I have read therapists tell people to go into the woods and just scream. I don't know about the woods part, but... And I don't know just about screaming. I don't know how that works. But I know when I lift my voice to God, there's something about it. I can wave my hand, but there's something about your voice. And what I believe it is, is I believe you are putting the God stuff back into the atmosphere. The Bible says God breathed in a man this breath of life. A man became a living soul. That breath we have comes from God. There's something about when we say hallelujah, it puts the God stuff back in the atmosphere and God seems to pay attention to it. There's something powerful when we begin to lift our voice. It feels good. It feels right. And um, I am so thankful for all the wonderful things. We had a wonderful wedding here uh, Friday night. So thankful uh, for the uh, May Roberts family and uh, the Freites family. What a, what a wonderful uh, union of these two wonderful young people, and uh, just thankful. Got a lot, of, a lot of people getting married around here, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. God's doing good things. I am in a series, and um, I'm going to continue on with that today, and uh, I'm going to do my best to say a, a lot in a little bit of time, um, and uh, I'm going to try. Lord knows I'm going to try. I know we've got uh, the block party uh, starts at 3.30. Of course, we want to be there before that because we want people to be there at 3.30, and a crowd draws a crowd. So it would be good to be there a little before that. I know people will be there setting up right after service, and so it's going to be a great time of giving outside of ourselves. And so um, I'm excited about that opportunity. We're talking about built to last. Um, we live in a world uh, that just is a, a quick come quick go, easy come, easy go, just uh, whatever's fast, that seems to be what we, what we do, and because of that, not a whole lot is uh, done well. Uh, pride in our workmanship uh, seems to be a fading thing, and uh, people just doing whatever it takes to get it out the door. Uh, you know, just move, move quick, let's go to the next thing, but to take time to put energy into something uh, is something that is a lost art in our world today. And it's uh, something that we need to find because we don't want to just build something. We want to build something that's going to last. And so we have to go beyond our impulse for the moment, for the now. We've got to get beyond that. I, I mentioned the other day uh, some of our, our kids are playing a game, um, and it is a free game, absolutely free. You, it costs nothing to play this game. You download the app, and you can play it. But 
it takes time to train your troops. It takes a couple of days to train these troops if you're going to have, the, have them. And so you can take the two or three days to train the troops, and it's all free. You can play the entire game for free. Or for right now, for a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, uh, you can go ahead and have all those troops trained right now. This free game makes a half a million dollars a day. It's a free game. <laughs> they make a half a million dollars a day because people don't want to wait. No patience. Give it to me now. And that comes into everything in our lives. We see people get married um, and, and they want what their parents have worked a lifetime for. It takes time to get there. And if you just jump over it, normally what you do is you get yourself in debt so much that you can't even have a pleasant marriage. Well, hallelujah, decided just to jump right into it, didn't I? But we want to build things that's going to last. We want to build marriages that last. We want our children to have things inside of them that will last the test of time. Our relationships, our business, this church, the kingdom of God. We're not looking for the quick in, the quick out. We want to build something that's going to last in the world that we're living in. I want to just build up real quick and then we're going to start with what um, today's part of it. But let me go ahead and just... Bring us all on the same page for those that have not been riding this train with us. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 1 says, A wise woman builds her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. So you have this contrast between the wise and the fool. You find it all the way from the, uh, the Old Testament to the New Testament. These opposing forces of wisdom and foolishness God speaks of it when he talks about the man that built his house upon the rock and a man that built his house upon the sand when the winds came and the storms came and let me just say the winds and the storms hit both houses you are not exempt from the storms of life but the difference was is the one that built on this house was known as the wise man. He built his house on the rock, and when the storms came, it stood. But the foolish built his house on the sand, and when the storms came, it was destroyed. It had fallen, and great was the fall of it. So we need wisdom. And if we're going to build something that's going to last, we need to build it with wisdom. And God said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He gives liberally. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 says, The Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. And so in building a house, we are going to structure this with seven pillars. Proverbs chapter 9, verse number 1. Wisdom hath built her house. She hath hewn it out of seven pillars. So we are going to talk about these. Let me just give you the first two. We've already went by, but let me just briefly tell them to you. You can go back and listen to the archives or get the DVD, CD, or whatever else, or just talk to someone beside you. I'm sure they remember the entire sermon. One time, my dad was talking to someone, and they said they didn't remember the sermon. Well, they were saying, you know, maybe it wasn't, you know, maybe I, I didn't need that as much. 
And dad said, do you remember what you ate, everything you ate last week? No, he said, but it sustained you, didn't it? You may not remember, but it gets in your spirit. But I invite you to get a CD or a DVD and get it inside of you. All right, man. I got all kind of little life lessons going on, don't I? First pillar, preparation. It says that she had built her house. She had hewn it out of seven pillars. Next verse. She hath killed her beast. She hath mingled her wine. She hath also furnished her table. And so wisdom is prepared. She hath killed the beast. She was prepared. She hath mingled her wine. She was prepared. She hath furnished her table. She was prepared. So wisdom is preparation. Wisdom does not wait for life to happen to it. Wisdom happens to life. It makes preparation. And God is a God of preparation. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. The second pillar, verse 3 through 5. She has sent her maids as they cry in the high places of the city. Who is simple? Let him uh, turn in hither. And for him that uh, needs understanding, she's also calling anyone that can come. And verse 5 says, come, eat of my bread, drink of my wine, which I have mingled. Wisdom is a giver. Wisdom gives beyond itself. Wisdom is not just an exchanger. Wisdom is a giver. Jesus taught this principle when he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. You find it all the way through the Old and New Testament that wisdom is a giver. Wisdom goes beyond itself. Wisdom gives and the fool takes. The foolish takes everything. Two, you have a wise man with his hand out. You have a fool with his hand out. But the difference is a wise man has his hand out giving. A fool has the hand out receiving. Now everyone in some point of your life will receive. And everyone should give. But you should not be focused on receiving. You should be focused on giving and if you're focused on giving good things will come back to you if you have your hand open to give the devil is all about taking God is all about giving John 10 and 10 the thief speaking of the devil cometh not but to steal to kill destroy take 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 but Jesus says I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Give, 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 give. Wisdom is a giver. So let's get to the third pillar. Wisdom, the third pillar, makes wise decisions. Makes wise decisions. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 6, the next verse. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. Let's pray a second. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that the Holy Ghost will begin to work and move in this place today. God, you know every heart that's here. You know exactly what everyone is going through. You know where they are in their lives. God, I pray, God, that you will awaken something inside of them, stir them from within. Let the power of the Holy Ghost begin to work and move like only you can. In the name of Jesus, anoint me to speak your word with boldness. Anoint each and every one of us to receive your word and let us act upon it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. The third pillar of wisdom is how you make decisions. 
if we're going to build something that's going to last, you must make wise decisions in the process. I am where I am today based on the decisions, the choices that I have made, good and bad. There are areas in my life that I am weak in, and much of that is based on the decisions that I have made. There are areas of my life that I am strong in, and mainly that is because of the decisions I have made. Now, I do have certain characteristics that make me stronger in one area than another or weaker in one area than another. I understand that you have certain genes flowing through your body. I understand that. But the majority of who we are can be changed by decisions that we make. And the problem with a lot of people is they think that they are who they are and that's it. I do not believe that for a moment. I believe you can make decisions that will change your destiny. I believe it with everything inside of me that you are not here by accident today. You made a decision to be here, and today's decision could change the rest of your life. I've heard it said that we are, life is about 20% what you make it. And 80% how you take it. It's about the Pareto principle there. Life happens. You can't control. You've got to learn to work with people. I'm talking about that next week. But you've got to learn to work with people. I heard one man say that the entire world, with one exception, is made up of others. Everyone besides you is another. You're the only exception. You're you. So if everybody is another, you need to work with others. You need to learn to deal with others. You need to learn to uh, react with others or interact with others. But we're building something. And the decisions I made, and decisions are powerful. I remember when I was, uh, when you're in school, you're reading, you're learning, and history, and all these different things. And uh, it's something I have mentioned here before because it's an amazing thing to me. Because on July 4th, 1776, it says that King George wrote in his personal diary, nothing of importance happened today. But across the pond, there were these men in Independence Hall, and they were making a decision. Now, interestingly, just by a show of hands, can anyone tell me the date that we won the war? What's the date we won the War of Independence? Yeah, we don't know. But you know what we all know? When the decision was made. Let me tell you, say, well, it's just a decision. A decision is powerful because decisions is what determines the end of the game. 
And you're sitting here today thinking, what's so big? It's just a decision. I make them all the time. But if you make wise decisions, uh, it will impact the entire rest of your life. You cannot sit here today and say, well, it's just a decision. It's not just a decision. It's a decision that can affect your marriage. It's a decision that can affect your parenting. It's a decision that could affect your eternity. It's a decision. And we may not know when we won the war, but we know when we decided to fight the war. And today could be the day that you decide, I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm getting up from where I am, and I'm going to fight this thing. I'm going to get up from where I am, and I'm going to start pushing back. Decisions are powerful. And the, the lack of ability to make a decision has equal power in the opposite direction. The Bible says, James chapter 1, verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man, someone that just can't, well, should I, shouldn't I? Should I live for God or should I not live for God? Should I be faithful or should I not be faithful? He said, when you get double-minded and you cannot decide, it affects all of your ways. A double-minded man. Joshua stood up in Joshua 24 and 15. He said, and if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, he put a decision in front of them. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Don't think about it. He said, listen, you've known God. You've, you, you have read about God. You have seen the things that God does. So today, choose you this day, whom you will serve, whether you're going to serve the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood or, or the gods of, of all these different people that we're passing around and we're all around that is in the land that we're at right now. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, I know we live in a world that acts like, you know, it drives me crazy. I tell you what drives me crazy. Brother, Brother Stan started a little bit political. I, I'm not getting too political. But it drives me crazy that it's, it's supposed to be the smart people that are the undecideds. That makes no sense to me. Oh, I just don't know. Oh, you're so smart. Let me sit by you. Make a decision. Figure out where you are. I have more respect for someone that disagrees with me than someone that's just like, come on, make a decision, man. Because if you make the wrong decision, I can help you. I can say you're wrong. He said, choose you this day who you serve. But he's saying, listen, I've already made my choice. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
Let the world do what it's going to do. Let them go crazy if they're going to go crazy. But I have made a decision in my life. As for me and my house, at James Jason Barnum's house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to stand for righteousness. We're going to stand for godliness. I have made that. Has anybody made a decision? Has anybody put it in their minds? I'm not waiting any longer. I have already made the decision. I will serve the Lord. You must make decisions. Now, I'm taking time here because I feel like a lot of people, we just, it's called procrastination. That's what we do with decisions we don't want to make. We just say, oh, I know, I know. To me, that's what it is. The undecideds are procrastinators. That's just my opinion. Now, there's probably a bunch of undecideds here. Please forgive me, but you're a procrastinator. Make a decision, folks. Figure out what's going on. Lock in on something. You've got to make a decision. Elijah asked the question of the people of God as they stood on Mount Carmel. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, Elijah came to all the people and said, How long haught ye between two opinions? How long are you just going to stand here and not make a decision? If the Lord be God, follow him. Simple. Simple. How long are you going to hop between two opinions? If God's God, follow him. If Baal's God, follow him. But here's the issue. And the people answered, not a word. Refusing to make a decision. Refusing to say, this is where I am. This is what I'm doing. Refusing just to say, I'm going to go all the way. Does that mean you're not going to make a mistake? Absolutely not. But you've got a point in mind. See, Paul made a decision. He had decided to forget the things which are behind him and to reach forth to the things which are before. Do I believe that Paul made no bad decisions in that time? I would say no. Why? Because he's a human. But see, he was locked in on a decision. I made a decision to go to heaven. So I'm going to forget these things. And now, even though I may get off track, I'm going to stay locked in based on my decision. If you make a decision, it does not mean you're always on the right path. It means you're going to get back to the right path uh, as soon as you can. And a non-decision, I believe, is a decision. Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. I've got lots to say here. I'm trying to hurry so we can get out early. I told everyone I'm going to get out early today. Lord, help me. I'm at the altar. Don't let me tell a fib. Revelation 3, 15. I know thy works. Thou art neither hot nor or cold nor hot. You're neither. You're not on either side of this thing. You're not hot. You're not cold. Verse 16, he said, because you are lukewarm, you're neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. This is God's feeling when we can't make a decision. He prefers us to be wrong or right, but make a decision. 
He's saying, I can handle it if you're cold. Why? Because we can get you in the right place. I can handle it if you're hot. That's where you need to be. We're good with either one of those. But he says, I can, I can keep you there. I can keep you in, on the potter's wheel. I can keep you where you need to be uh, if you're either hot or cold. But once you reach the point that you refuse to make a decision, I can't work with you. He said, I will spew you out of my mouth. Mm. You cannot just sit on the sidelines. You can't just say, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. No, you got to make a decision. There comes a point. Everything, there, there's decisions, everything in life. If I take this and I throw it in the air, there comes a point that it stops moving up and starts moving down. You can't, it doesn't just hang. It don't just hang there. You're moving in one direction or the other. There's always movement going on everywhere in every cell of your body. I just uh, I watched a, a, a clip with my, my son, and we, it was a science thing about the cell in your body. It was over an hour of just the basics of all the things that happen in every single cell in your body. It was unbelievable. There's these little dudes in there. Seriously, this is crazy. You, you have to. It, it, uh, answers in Genesis is where, where we were watching that. Talking about the cell. This, this dude... Is, he's walking. It's an actual thing. They got legs, two legs, and they're carrying the stuff that needs to be taken. It's not like, oh, that's just something, they, this is a c- cool idea. It actually happens in every one of your cells. There's this thing that's carrying it where it needs to go, and it puts it where it needs to go. It's cr- I know everyone's like, it's crazy. That's just in the cell. Every cell has movement in it. The blood, if it stops moving in your body, you die. If the earth stops spinning, we're all in trouble. If the solar system stops moving, we're in trouble. You can't just, the sun can't go, am I going to rise or not? Everything can't, oh, what should I? No, I have made a decision. Things are going to happen, and you must stay in the flow of what's going on. So how do we make good decisions? How do we get wisdom? There's three basic areas that you're going to get wisdom. God, in counsel, and experience. Where do you get wisdom? God, counsel, experience. God must be the foremost of every decision that you make. God has to be at the forefront of every decision that you make. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is actually one of the other pillars we're going to talk about. This is the same verse. This is the sixth pillar we're going to get to later. But the fear of God is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You've got to have God in your life. And you say, Well, I don't have wisdom. How do I get it? You go to God. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. He's not holding back from you. He's not saying, no, you can't have it. But you must go to him. If you lack wisdom, you've got to ask of him. But, let, but don't just ask. He said, ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Now, see, we're getting right back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. He said, ask, nothing wavering, 
For he that wavers is like the waves and the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So he's saying you can get wisdom. You can ask of God. But if you don't ask from God, don't think God's going to be happy with you. A double-minded man is unstable. You need to get wisdom so you can make the right decision. And you need to know that God is the best place for you to go to. There is nothing better than going to God about what to do in your life. There's nothing better than God for your marriage. Nothing better than God for your children. Nothing better than God for your business. There is nothing better than God, period. And let me just say this. The wisdom of this world... First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.23. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jew a stumbling block, unto the Greek foolishness. But unto them that are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. You need to understand that you say, well, this is what this person says. That's what that person says. That's wonderful. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But that can't be your first source. Your first source has to be God. God's got to be at the center of every decision that you are making. And if he is not at the decision, it may look wise to this world. But if it's not flowing with God's plan, it will crumble and it will fall. Eventually, it's going to happen. Hear me today. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. We must base our decisions based through the lens of God. We all talk about the lens that you look through, color, colored glasses. You put on blue glasses, everything looks blue. You put on red glasses, everything looks red. It's the glasses. You should put on God glasses. You need to look at everything, not through your, just your experiences, but through what God has to say about it. And how is it that God, there's two areas. I believe it's the word and it's prayer. Every decision that you make, you should decide it based on the word of God. Every decision that you make, you need to base it on the word of God. There is no better decision maker. It will begin to illuminate. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Whenever I have the word of God in me, all of a sudden I can see the next step that I need to take. God don't always show me the whole path, but he does show me the steps that are in front of me that I can take. And if in faith I will take the steps, God will begin to work things. It's illuminated by the word. The reason why a lot of us have trouble taking a step of faith is because it's really really dark but if we have the word of God I'm not just saying healing in in the air I'm actually saying I saw in the word of God that God healed this person it illuminates and says I should pray for the sick and they shall recover boom I make my next step God begins to bring revelation how do I have a happy marriage the Bible says if you're going to live you need to live with your wife according to knowledge 
What does that do? That illuminates. That says, if we're having a problem, I need to step back and figure out what's going on. How is it? What is the things I say that set her or him off? Step back and let the word begin to illuminate. Don't just walk. Don't just be all over the place. You got to let the word begin to illuminate what's going on. When you have the word of God inside of you, it makes you wiser than you really are. I have sat with people much smarter than me. Much, much smarter than me. Sometimes I feel like that's my kids as I sit around the table. Andrew yesterday was talking about DNA and RNA and how they come together, and I'm just like, oh, absolutely, of course. Of course that's what's happening. Then I go to Siri, what is that? What's going on here? I need to know what that is. Wisdom, though, from the Word of God. I have sat with people much smarter than me, and they sit there, and, and I'm amazed because they're amazed at what's coming out of my mouth. But you know what I'm saying? The Word of God. That's what I'm saying. Psalms chapter 119, verse 97. David's, oh, how I love thy law. This is primarily speaking of the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This is known as the law of the Pentateuch, the, the focus of the, the Jewish faith and belief. After that, you get into history and you get into poetry and you get into prophets. But that is the law. That is that, that framework. And if you read some of that, i got to tell you, some of it's kind of boring. But David said, oh, how I love thy law. How I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. It's what I think about. You want to be wise? You want to be walk in this world with wisdom and understanding? David said, let me give you the formula. Oh, how I love thy law. How I love your word, God. I meditate. I think about it all day. And because of that, and through thy commandments, thou hast made me wiser than my enemies. You're coming against things, and they're coming against you, and you're saying, I don't know how to deal with this person. I don't know what to do. What do I do? You get in this right here, and all of a sudden, you become wiser than those that are trying to tear you down. All of a sudden, he says, I, you have made me wiser than my, my enemies, for they're ever with me. They're ever always trying to get me, but I'm wiser than them. I know how to get around them. Verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, the people that are that, that should know, the doctors I sit in their office, the, the people that I sit there, they, they should be smarter than me. They should be my teacher. But the only advantage that I have is that I have been in your word. The advantage that I have is your word is what's guiding me. And so I make a decision that's not even my decision. It's the word decision. And people go, wow, how did you do that? I'll tell you how I did it. I got in the book. I got into the word. And the word made me wiser than my enemies uh, made me have more understanding than my teachers 100 
I understand more than the ancients, those that have been around a long time. Because I'm keeping your precepts. I am holding on to your word. And so people that are against me, those that are trying to come against me, I'm wiser than them because of your word. Those that think good to me, they're my teachers. But yet I have more understanding of them because of the word. And those that are ancient, that have all the experience, I've even got more than them. Why? Because of your word. What I'm telling you is if you want to make wise decisions, let the word of God be the first place you run to. Let the word of God be the thing that drives every decision that you make. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every decision. Every decision. Every decision. I'm going to say it to this thing work here. Every decision. Every decision. You need to make it based. This is working now? Okay. Based on the word of God. Just keep this on. Every decision. I'm wiser. I have more understanding. All these things happen not because of how great I am, but how great the word of God is. And so the first thing I do is I go to God. That's his word. And that's prayer. You want to make good decisions. Pray about it. Pray about it. Pray about it. Let me tell you. Prayer told David sometimes go fight and told him other times don't go fight. You ain't always supposed to fight everything. And you're not always supposed to sidestep it. But if you're with God, God says now's the time to fight. Now's the time to stand down. But you ain't going to get that if you don't spend some time with God in prayer. You ain't going to hear that if you don't spend some time with God in prayer. You've got to hang on to God and you do it through prayer. Oh, I ain't got time to unpack all this stuff. But let me just say this to you. If you will pray, let me tell you, most of the time, most of the time, you really know the right thing to do. But prayer gives you the strength to do it. Prayer gives you the strength to say, yeah, I know it's in your word, but I'm having a hard time. But when you get in prayer, all of a sudden you get the strength to do what you knew to do the whole time anyhow. You need to pray. You need to make prayer the first thing that you run to. I run to your word. I run in your presence in prayer. Let prayer pray about everything pray without stopping pray in the spirit just keep on praying keep on praying you want to make wise decisions get in the word and get in prayer oh lift your hands i feel the holy ghost right now Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Lord, help me. I'm not even close to where I'm trying to get. Counsel. Counsel. The Bible says, Proverbs 11, 14. Where no counsel is, the people fail. But in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. In the multitude of counsels, there's, there's safety. 
the number one thing is God. You get that through his word, whether that be the preached word or you reading the word. And it's prayer, whether that be by yourself or collectively. But the next thing you need to do, if you, if you really want wisdom and understanding and how to make good decisions, you need to be willing to counsel. It amazes me the people that will not talk to people about the decisions that will affect themselves and their family and their children. They just do it and then they inform the pastor. Not wise. That's how people fall. It's two types of counsels. First of all, it's godly counsel. You need to seek counsel. It's very important you understand that. You must seek counsel. It is not up to a godly man, whether that's bishop, myself, another man of God here, or men of, and women of God that's in this place. There's a lot of wisdom here, and I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But it's not up to us to chase people down to give them counsel. The Bible makes things like this. Uh, in 1 Samuel 9 and 9, before time Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spake in the, he's talking about a seer, a prophet, a seer. And then it goes on in verse 10 to talk about how he came and he inquired of God. You need to inquire of God. When a man of God, most of the time in the word of God, when a man of God stepped up when he was not inquired of to begin with, it was normally judgment. It was normally Elijah stepping up saying, it ain't going to rain no more. See ya. But people went to inquire of godly counsel. Well, they're seeing me. They're, they ought to just be able to tell me what's going on. Uh-uh-uh. I'm a gentleman. And I ain't running people's lives. But I will shoot you straight. But you're going to have to come and inquire. You need to inquire, and not after you've done something. That's not inquiring. That's informing. Wow. First Corinthians 18 and 6. This is why some people don't inquire. But Joshua said... Is there not a prophet? He's speaking to another king. Is there not a prophet of the Lord besides this that we might inquire of him? We need to be talking to someone with godly counsel. Is there not someone with counsel? And this is what the other, the, the other king says back. And the king of Israel said unto Joshua, There is yet one man that whom we may inquire of the Lord. He knew that this person had it. But he says this, But I hate him. You know why I hate him? Because he told the truth. Because he never prophesied good to me. You know why? Because this king was doing evil. And he wouldn't bow to his little whim. So he knew who to inquire of, but he didn't want to inquire because he didn't want to hear what he really had to say. He wanted someone to itch their ear and just kind of tell me a little something that makes me feel good. I'm not here to itch your ears. I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here to help you make decisions that's going to get you to heaven. That's what I'm here for. I'm trying to help you make it from this life to eternal life with Jesus Christ. 
we don't talk to godly counsel. We don't talk to our godly mother. We don't talk to our godly father. We don't talk to godly people in our lives about certain things because we don't really want to hear what they have to say. I'm going to move on, and I'm not going to be able to finish today. Also, wise men and wise women, you need to seek their counsel. People that have been there and done that, you need to seek their counsel. Proverbs 13 and 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. But if you're just hanging around the fools, you're going to be destroyed. And a lot of times the reason we don't make good decisions is because we feel more comfortable around the other people making bad decisions. It don't make us feel so bad. But if you walk with the wise, you shall be wise. If you walk with people that's got some corn in the crib, as they say, they've been there, they've done that. They built the same kind of business you're trying to build. They, 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 they have the kind of family that you're trying to have. They have the kind of marriage that you're trying to have. It amazes me the people with bad marriages that talk to other people that can't keep their marriage together. That blows my mind. It is the blind leading the blind. And they both fall in the pit. Get around people that stretch you. Get around people that's got something to say that makes you go away scratch and say, man, I really need to step up. I don't need, I need to be around preachers uh, that make me say, Jason, uh, you can be a better pastor. I don't want to be around people that's less than me. Uh, I want to be around people that's more than me. Uh, I'm trying to reach to a higher height. God puts people in your life. Let me hurry and say this. Moses' father-in-law spoke wisdom to Moses. Moses was wearing himself out trying to take care of everything. And Joseph, uh, um, Jethro said to him, said, said you, you do not well. It's not, and he said, what are you doing to the people? That's what he said. Jethro felt bad for the people. Reminds me of my grandma Butler. All oh, these poor people. But the people that you need to look that's outside of the ministry, you know, here's the things he said. This is how you search them out. Uh, Exodus 18, verse 21. Um, Moreover, thou shalt provide to these people able men. First of all, you need people that can take care of themselves first. Find people that can take care of themselves first. Oh, I'm on, I want to stay, but I don't. Okay. Such as fear God. Make sure the fear of God is the first thing in their life. They fear God, men of truth, and hating covetousness. Otherwise, they're not trying to get what you have. They have no other agenda other than to help you get up to the next level. Those are the people you want to inquire of. 
That's why your mama and your daddy should be people that you should be able to. I realize everyone don't have the best experience. Thank God I have amazing parents. But I know when I talk to them, they're not trying to get something out of me. They're trying to help me get up. I go to people in this church, and I can talk to them with wisdom. And I know they're not trying to pull things down from me. They're trying to lift me up. You need to have people that fear God, men of truth, and men that hate covetousness. They're not after you. All right, the third thing, experience. Experience is another way to get wisdom to make good decisions. Once you have done something that works or don't work, all of a sudden you experience your experiences, your personal experiences. I remember when Andrew was little, a baby, he uh, touched a hot pot. After he touched the hot pot, he would not go near it again. He would point real cute with his finger and go, hot. It's over there. I'm staying over here. Hot. Experience has a way of giving you wisdom for your next decision. I don't think experience is always the best way to learn. Otherwise, you won't know it's not good to jump off the Empire State Building until you did it. I think you can learn from other people. You should learn. You should learn. My dad made a statement years ago, everyone lives, but not everyone learns. You need to learn. You need to grow. Brother Campitella used to make the statement, the man with the experience is never at the mercy of the man with the argument. What a great statement. Learn from other people's experiences. Uh, and the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10 11, now all these things happen unto them for, uh, them for examples. It's written for our admonition. We can learn from what other people have done, wisely or not wisely. Let me finish with this, and Lord, I will repent at the altar in a few minutes. That's where you get wisdom, but how you actually make wise decisions, this is the best thing I think I could tell you today, is you need to learn to pre-decide things in your life. You cannot wait for the moment to confront you to make important decisions in your life. You cannot wait until everything is pushing on you. One of my greatest examples, it's something I have talked about often because it was such a simple, impactful thing. When I was playing, I was playing basketball with a, a, a man that was a soccer player. He, had, he was in college. He was going professional before he gave his life to God and ended up uh, being a minister. Uh, but he, he was in, matter of fact, he was on the uh, tryout field when God told him, choose this or that, and he ran off the field. Literally ran off the field, made that decision. But he was, we were playing basketball here in our gym, and they, someone checked the ball to him. And he was talking to me. We were both guards up top. And they checked the ball, but he was looking at me. He wasn't looking at them. So the ball is right here. Now, if, if I look and a ball is right here, what I'm going to do is you know, I'll probably do one of my karate moves to take care of it, eliminate any threats. Hi <laughs> but he didn't. He's looking at me, and I, and I said, and he, he looks, and it's here. And he goes, boom, and kicks it back. I'm like, who does that? That's, that's weird. He didn't jerk his hand up. He didn't go, oh, my. No. You know why? Because he had practiced over and over again when a ball's coming to knock it down with his shoulder and to kick it back. 
he had predecided what his move was going to be before the issue ever came. He didn't learn that at the moment. Otherwise, he would have just done a knee-jerk reaction. But he had, he had pre-decided his motions, his, his reactions to things that was going to come in his life. We need to learn to pre-decide the things that are going to happen in our lives. See, you, married men, we don't have to think, am I going to flirt with this woman? I have pre-decided that there's only one woman that I'm going to flirt with. Her name is Helena Elizabeth Barnum. I love her. I've already pre-decided that. See, that's the problem is we don't pre-decide things and we get in situations and we act like, I can't help nothing. No, you don't wait till the moment comes. You pre-decide, I am not going to have this in my life. I am so failing at getting out early. This is how you predecide. It's based on your pr- principles or your preferences. That's where it's at. Your principles and your preferences. You want to know how to make wise decisions. It's the trade-off of your principles or your preferences. Daniel is in a foreign land. But he, there was something about this young man. He was raised right. He was raised to the point that the king says, I want him to be part of the young wise men that I bring in. There was something about him. He did not become wise there in Babylon. He already had that wisdom inside of him. His parents put wise things inside of him. So what happens is he now comes and the king is training them and they're getting all these information and they're, and they're growing and all these different things and, and this is how this land works. And the king says, I like these guys so much. These are the top of the class. He says, let's give them the king's meat. Now this is the best of the best that the land had to offer. This is the meat that came first to the king's table. You don't think his preference... Was to eat the meat. See, if you wait for the moment, and all of a sudden this opportunity comes up, and you say, man, that's great. That makes me feel good. But see, he did not base his decisions on his preferences. He based it on his principles. And his principle says, you're not going to eat meat that's offered to idols. And so while everyone else was indulging on their preferences, he was standing in his principles. And at the end of the day, when everybody else came before the king, the Bible says he looked stronger. He looked more fit with just a little bit of, uh, of, of mush is really what he had and water. Everybody else was eating the king's meat and all this stuff. But he said, listen, I'm not going to make my decisions based on my preferences. I'm going to make my decisions based on my principles. And when God saw him make decisions, Based on principles, God made him stronger and wiser than everybody else that was there. Don't let your preferences rule your life because your preferences will fool you and your preferences will change. But if you lock your feet into the principles of the Word of God, nothing will be able to shake you. The preference would be. I don't want to go into the lion's den. That would be my preference. But his principle says, I'm going to pray three times a day. When you make your decisions based on your principles instead of your preferences, 
Not only will the people around respect you. You know the king respected Daniel more than he did his closest advisors. He stood on his own word, the king did. But he stood there all night. He was up. And he comes running to the mouth of the lion's den and said, oh, Daniel, did your God deliver you? He respected Daniel because Daniel did not bow to the preferences in his life. But he stood on principles. If you will learn to stand on principles, people will respect you and honor you. Don't try to get a quick fix. Stand on something that's going to last. Stand with me. I have more to say. Jesus predecided some things. He predecided. While he's on the cross and he's hanging, if he did not make decisions beforehand, he could have said, Send 10,000 angels and take me off this cross. But he had already made the decision. You cannot wait. Until you are in the thick of it to make the decision. Jesus made the decision long ago. For this purpose have I come. And he reestablished that decision in the garden when he said, not my will, but thine be done. So when he's hanging on a cross for your sins and mine, he didn't have to make a decision there. He did not have to wait to after he died, was buried and rose again to say, I forgive you. But because he had already predecided, while he was still hanging on the cross with blood dripping from his body, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You're going to have to make a decision in your life. The Bible says there's a straight gate, a narrow way. There's a wide gate and a wide way. You're going to have to make, it, have to make the decision. I'm giving my heart and my life. God if you want to build something that's going to last in your family build something that's going to last for eternity you've got to build something that's going to survive the test of time and you're going to have to make wise decisions today you made a wise decision to be in the house of God and we're about to give you an opportunity to make another decision to take a step of faith forward and say God I need you Living in sin will send you to hell. Living lukewarm will get you spit out of God's own mouth. Today, you need to say, I need God. I have decided to live for Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Right where you are, no one else moving, let's pray. Lord, I'm asking you right now to help me make good decisions. First of all, as a husband. Secondly, as a father. And thirdly, as a pastor. God, help me, God, to make decisions. That's going to help my family, my marriage, this church move forward. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, help each and every one of us here today to make a decision. What's the big deal? It's just a decision, but a decision has such power because it affects the outcome of everything. 
So, Lord, we're here today, and I feel conviction in my heart. I have felt the uplifting power of God throughout this service. And right now, I know there are people here that's in the valley of decision. Lord, I know that they're trying to decide what they should do, what they should say. How can I do this? But, Lord, let them make this, take the step that's in front of them, a step to come to an altar, to pray, to give their heart to you once again. Lord, it won't be the last decision they make, but it's an important decision for today. So, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you will begin to work and you will begin to move in every heart, every life. Right now, from the front to the back, there's people already coming. Will you come? Find a place to pray. You're here and you know there's things in your life that's not right. Make a decision to bring those to God today. If you'll repent, he'll forgive you. You've got decisions coming up in your marriage, decisions in your business, decisions in your life. Why don't you come forward and pray about it for a little while? Ask someone, God, direct me to someone that's going to give me some wisdom. God, let your word come alive to me. Let prayer, God, put the, the courage in me to move forward. I pray in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, help me right now. That's it. That's it. You don't have to stay there any longer. As you come, you can invite someone to come with you. Let the Holy Ghost begin to flow. Ministers, begin to move and pray. The Holy Ghost is here right now. Come on, it's time to make a decision today. What's the big deal? It's just a decision. It's the most powerful thing you can do. It's a decision that's going to bring the determination of the rest of your life. God, here I am. God, I need you. I have decided, God, that you're everything to me. With you, anything's impossible. Without you, I don't know what my next step is going to be like. That's it. Altar workers begin to move in the Holy Ghost. Today is the day that you give your heart to God. You don't worry about anyone else. You don't worry about what your husband, your wife. You don't worry about your children. Right now it's you and God. God, I need you. God, fill me with your spirit. God, renew me by your spirit. Come on, that's it. Holy Ghost, begin to flow. Come on, position yourself to be prayed for. Position yourself to inquire of the Lord. Position yourself to seek after Him today. Make a great decision. Make a good decision. Come on, that's the Holy Ghost touching you. Holy Ghost is touching you. from the front to the back. Let the Holy Ghost lead you to pray with somebody, to pray towards somebody. Go ahead, let the Holy Ghost begin to touch you. Come on, 
that's it. Move around. Let the Holy Ghost engage, engage with what God is doing right now. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're facing, but God will give you wisdom. Seek his wisdom in his word. Seek his wisdom through prayer. Seek his wisdom through godly counsel. Seek wisdom through men and women that have wisdom from God. Seek his wisdom from the experiences God gave you. Learn, learn. Hallelujah, Jesus. It. Just keep praying right now. Everybody in this place, why don't you make a decision to reach after God right now? From the front to the back, why don't you make a decision to cry, cry out after God? Let your voice out. Jesus, here I am. Jesus, help me. Jesus, I need you. Come on, I know there's up days and down days. I know you made a good decision last week and last month and last year. But one of the most important things is to learn to make the same decision over and over again. If the decision is right and it's godly, make it again. In the name of Jesus. great spirit. What a great spirit. Come on, call out to him. He is not far from any one of you. Jesus. Take some time. Don't let it be a quick fix. Take a little time in his presence. Let him give you the strength. Let him give you the direction. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. I see people getting breakthroughs right now. People getting a refreshing in their spirit. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I need you, Lord. I give all myself to you, Jesus. 